Hey everyone, welcome to the 11th episode of the Good Sound Club podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom, and with me is Cena. What's up, guys? What's up? How you doing, Cena? Long time. Good, I'm very tired. Very tired? What time is it where you're at right now? Uh, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. It's it's 7 p.m. for me. Over here on the west, and on the, yeah, yeah, west coast. Got it right the first time, but. Best coast. Yeah, best coast, yeah. Which brings me to, which brings me to, I was just in the southwest region. I went to uh, an Audi show in Texas. It was a lot of fun. Um, talk about the weather a little bit. I felt like I was, I, I just, I really don't know how to describe how I felt outside. It, it was, it's, it's like someone forgot to close the oven door. That, mm-hmm. I think that's the best way of putting it. It wasn't humid. It was dry. Everywhere felt the same. But you're you're very grateful for the air conditioning wherever it was available. You're like, oh, finally! Like you're you're so happy to go anywhere that isn't outside, but another indoor place. I I really I really liked going places. So. At the audio show, um, just want to add a little bit that I. Had a lot of fun. I met a lot of people. Uh, I met a fan of the show, uh, Ravi. We had some tacos over lunch. It was pretty cool. Whose show was this? Our show. No, no, no. Oh. The show that you went to. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the the Austin uh, shit show with uh, shit and emotiva. Okay, cool. And what, what context were you there? Just as a visitor or... Yeah, I was I was mostly visiting. I wanted to see. Uh, well, I had my first uh, audio meet a few months back, maybe a year back, and that was a lot of fun. And I thought it was worth flying out to see my friends again from, you know, South California. Meet a few other ones. Uh, not everyone could make it, but I had a lot of fun. What was the uh, highlight of the show for you? The highlight of the show was not indeed listening uh the highlight of the show was was talking about you know stuff that doesn't really matter like wow i really like this song on this or you know as we call it a great dack off and i'll be honest i did not listen to anything on the great dack off i <laughs> i had suggested uh one song to play on the great uh dack off it was just like a series of nine dacks and uh i'll be honest uh it might have been the wrong song to play at that system in that room to those people because I, I don't I can't imagine anyone, not even myself, enjoying the song I had chosen. Uh, and that song was uh, "Chocolate Chip Trip," which, uh, if you haven't heard, it's a song by Tool from the latest album of Fear Inoculum, <laughs> and it might just be an eight-minute intro song. I, I, there's not really much context or. Uh, or anything inside of it, but you know it's a popular song. A lot of people like it. Um, I decided to play it to see what it was like on a uh, on a timber deck, as we like to call it, a non technical uh, performing deck or a deck that you know it it, it prioritizes timber. Um, yeah, it was kind of uh, unlistenable. Uh, I mean, you just hear faint <laughs> background noises, and you're wondering when when the music's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> it was a little embarrassing. It was a little embarrassing afterwards. I. I had suggested uh, someone else pick a song, and uh, not no one, no one raised their hand. So my next, you song, tried to pass pass the uh, aux cord. Yeah, I I tried. Everyone said I was good. In my back of my mind, I said, "Wow, these are nice people here." Like I can't believe no one, <laughs> no one's telling me my music choice is bad. But uh, internally, I felt like my music choice was bad. But the highlight of that night was actually no, my music choice was not bad. There was much worse. Uh, I I won't go too much into that, but, um, comparing nine DAX or six, I don't, I don't know. I stopped listening after the second one. Um, you can't, you can't really have it all. Like no matter what the price point is, I don't, I don't think you can't have it all. And there's no way you can satisfy every, every customer or every musical preference or every genre with this single deck. It's yeah, yeah, just kind of cold hard truth right there, I think. And I definitely learned that. I don't know if anyone else came out like that, but some people definitely came out thinking their deck was the best deck ever. 
and all of the decks were inferior in every possible way. I'm very happy for them. They, there was a, to them, it was deck measuring. Yeah, it was a deck measuring contest. You know, unfortunately, there was no uh, Bricasti, but there was uh, a Yggdrasil, a Pasadena Morpheus, I believe. Uh, Rockna Sonnet. Sonnet. Oh, the Sonnet. Yeah. A Rockna Wave Dream uh, XLR Signature Edition. Quite a long name, but. Oh shit, signature edition. Yeah, signature edition. Um uh, not not really sure what else was there, but oh Accord Dave? Accord Dave, Dave. Accord Dave with an M scaler. Um, right. I'm just gonna say I agree with a lot of impressions of it online. <laughs> it, it, okay. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's a really interesting presentation. It's a bit like the Wave Dream, but textually I, I do not think they are similar. I do not think they're similar textually, but in other aspects, quite similar. They have a very nice looking chassis. Very nice chassis. Very nice. Yeah, I I wish I brought my deck to measure it against everyone else and feel better about myself, but maybe next time. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. So, what about you, Cena? How you been? I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. I uh, made a... Uh... Made some purchase decisions that uh, I regret slightly. I've, I've never could have imagined slightly that. Slightly to moderately. But uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, we're coping. We'll recover. We're in a rough patch right now. You know, there's ups and downs. And right now, we're, we're definitely down. <laughs> we, can, we can sell the gear. We can sell the gear on audio. Market. Yeah, when I sell it, we'll be up. And then when I buy again, we'll be down. Yeah, finally. It's all cyclical. You know, this is Economics 102. Um, yeah. You just have to develop your own product, and then you can be satisfied. Yeah, maybe. Maybe when I'm not working 60-hour weeks, we can we can do that. Yeah, long-term project. I'm still hoping for it. I like the ideas. Uh, a, little, a little teaser for everyone listening. You know, that, that brings me to uh, a question we actually have. Cena, what's your favorite audio purchase you have made? Favorite? Is that is that a viewer question? That, that is actually a viewer question. We have received a viewer question. Do you want to shout out, shout them out? That's the first the first one we got. We should go shout well, out. Well, the truth is, I'm not going to shout them out once, but twice this episode. Oh, shit. It's their lucky day. Our submitter is actually Troy. Oh my god, Troy. Thank you, Troy. The Troy, friend of the Thank show. Thank you, Troy. Big friend, big friend of the show. Always there for us. Always wondering what we're doing, what we're up to. Living his own experience. So that's what he said, favorite audio purchase? What What is your favorite audio purchase? Um, it's actually a recent one, I think. Well... Yeah, I'll, I'll go with these. It's a pair of uh, Grado SR80s from wow the mid-2000s. They're headphones, for those of you who don't know. I think a lot of people know Grado, uh, Grado however you say it. Um, we have an anecdote. I, uh, you know, I was on HeadFi um, since, uh, I guess, 2014, and... Uh, and HeadFi is a, a headphone form. Yeah, the biggest headphone form. Um, they've been around for ages. And there's there's like a lot of talk on there about Grados, a lot of Grado fans. I don't know why. I I'm never I never tried them until like this year, um, despite being into headphones for, you know, seven years. I never tried them until now. And the reason why I say I don't know why is because they're, they're said to do well with like the music that I like. But I just probably because they're on ear and I used to wear headphones all day before I... Uh, had speakers, so I, I was probably just worried about comfort or whatever. But uh, the first experience with them was back in February. Um, I, they had just refreshed their model lineup to the X series. So they were on like the E series and then it was the X series. So X stands for excellent, of course. Um, so I went to Amazon. I ordered a pair of SR325X, which is like the highest model in the Prestige series. Um, is the worst headphone I ever heard. And it uh, sounds kind of harsh 
but uh, it's true. It's the worst headphone I ever heard. Like there was nothing, nothing good about it. Um, it didn't have any bass. It didn't have any highs. It didn't have any mids. And uh, Tom is just uh, massaging his head right now. He's like, don't, don't, don't say it sucks, but it's, it's really bad. It sucked. Um, I was really disappointed. I heard it. You heard it? What'd you think? I've heard one and uh, I like it a lot. Okay. Maybe I, I like maybe I heard it wrong. I'm going to go with you heard it wrong. I, I mean, I tried to, I, like I tried it. to break it in. I, like it. I played it for 24 hours. It didn't change at all. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what to say. But the good news is that I have a, a golden rule, and that rule is to try everything at least three times. It's a very good rule. And I knew, I knew that you liked your Grados. You're wearing them now, actually. I knew that uh, Parker, yeah. friend of the show, likes his Grados. So I thought, okay, how bad can they be? Maybe there's, maybe I heard it wrong. So I'm willing to admit that I heard it wrong. So I, I went on eBay. I said, okay, I'm not going to get scammed into buying new Grados again. Went on eBay. I bought an old pair for $50. These are the SR80s, so second from the bottom. They're like the cheap entry level. Um, and my first impression, I wish I could look up what I said to you, but I think I think the chat's gone. But I think I said something like, the good news is they're better than the 325s. The bad news is that they suck. <laughs> that, that was my first impression. And I put them aside. I only listened to one song. And I put them aside. The next day, I listened a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, actually, you know, maybe these don't suck. They're a little bit better than I thought. Then I kept listening. I kept listening. And now they're my favorite headphones. Now I'm, I'm selling everything else because I just like these so much. So I'm deep into Grado. I've uh, I've read all the Grado lore. I'm a Grado historian now. A lot of it. Was that? Yep. We we got to thank the previous headphones, the previous yes, that paved the way. The the historians, the Grado historians on HeadFi who who have documented everything that you'd want to know. Not really, but sort of. Um, there is there's a lot. There is a lot. There, <laughs> there's a, lot. a it's a big rabbit hole. You know, like one model has like eight eight or nine different versions, and uh, they've they've documented it. You got to dig, but it's there. Um, so anyway, there's I, liner notes. What's that? There's there's liner notes to almost every Grado timeline. Yeah, um, I, I I wanted to see okay, like if these are the cheap ones and they sound so good, um, it can only get better, right? And being being a vintage guy, you know, old, good, new, not so good. Um, I thought okay, let's go straight to the source. What was the first Grado headphone? Uh, it turns out it's from 1989. It was designed by uh, Joseph Grado, the founder of the company. Um, before his nephew John Grado took over, and that's called the uh, HP 1000. So he designed it to be like, you know, he just thought all the other headphones sucked, and he wanted to make his own to make it, you know, a true studio reference that people could use to analyze different recordings, different sources, even different cables. He's a big cable believer, Joe Grado. Um, so that intrigued me because I I consider myself to be a connoisseur of a neutral sound. Um, and then, you know, they, one popped up for sale. Uh, the guy wanted 2500 US dollars for it, which is kind of whack. Uh, they normally go for more like 17 1800 depending on condition. Um, I sent him a message. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I'll do 1800 And I expect him to tell me to you know, go away. But, um, you know, he replied and he said, I'll, t- I'll do it. And they were in mint condition, completely mint. Normally they have like some sort of lettering faded or something like that. But no, these are pristine. Um, I bought them, they arrived super excited, took them out of the box. I thought I was going to hear Jesus, but, uh, they kind of suck. <laughs> I listened to three and a half songs and I put them back in the box. Um, they don't have bass. There's no bass. They don't have highs. They're quite dark. Um, the mids are very, uh, polite. That's the word I would use polite or subdued. They are very clear sounding. So I think if his goal was to make something that you could use to kind of analyze stuff as an as an instrument, um, he definitely succeeded in that department. But for something to listen to music to for pleasure, I prefer the uh, the fifty dollar ones. So anyway, I have to sell sounds, those now. Sounds like a sounds like a very professional headphone. It is a very professional headphone. It's built extremely well. It's like all all metal construction and uh, really solid. A little bit heavy, but not too bad. Um, they're, they're like an apparatus. When you put them on your head, you feel like you're wearing like a tool. Um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately not, 
not what I would consider neutral. Maybe somebody else's idea of neutral, but not 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 what I like. So anyway, that was strike number two, if we're counting the 325s. So Grado was now one for three. And then I thought, okay, I got to stick with the John Grado headphones, you know, his nephew who took over the company. Um, so I went for the RS1s, which are like the Woody version. So they instead of having like inert metal cups, like the HP 1000s, and supposed to be super neutral, these have like wood cups. So he was like embracing the color, the wood reverb. Uh, he went too far. <laughs> he went too far. They're, um, they're also not as good as the SR80 for me. They're uh, fuzzy and soft sounding. You can kind of hear the music getting lost in the, in the wood, if that makes sense. Like detail just evaporates. And I know some people like that, like a lot. They have their fans, but uh, again, not. Oh, yeah. Not what I was looking for. So anyway, we're one for four nice. with Grados. I will continue the quest because um, there's a lot of models out there. They've been in business for oh, yeah. for an eternity, like uh, oh, yeah. 30 years they've been making headphones. So I have a lot to choose from. So I'm not going to give up. But so far, yeah, SR80 for me. I love these. They're extremely good for the music that I listen to. They're very clear. Um, they make me emotional like when I listen to music that I like. So, yeah. What about you, Tom? I, well, obviously, I want to state I love Grado. I brought a Grado on my trip, but I wanted to ask you: Do Grados sound like people describe them? And when I say people describe them, I don't mean their fans, but people that dismiss Grados. Does do Grados sound the way people describe them in a negative context? Yes and no. So when I first got the SR80, um, I thought that they did. Like they have a bit of a metallic sheen in the presence region, but for whatever reason, when I listen for like one song, it goes away. I don't know why. I don't know how to describe that, but it does. You just kind of get used to it. Um, they do. They are a little bit lean in the lower mids. People say that the higher end models are not, and that's true. Been true in my experience. So, kind of that characterization, I guess, I, I can get on board with. People say they have no sound stage. I don't agree with that at all. I think they're actually very clear and their their sense of speci spatiality, excuse me, is excellent. So I don't agree with that assessment. I don't know what else do people say commonly about them. They're they're sharp. I mean, yeah. They have good transients. Not all of them, like the the HP 1000 and the RS1, they're not sharp. They're very polite. Very polite and very soft sounding, but the SR80, yeah, they're sharp in a good way, in a way that I like. So if you're like a fan of a soft sound, Grado is definitely, you know, maybe some models, but probably not. You can look elsewhere. But if you're a fan of like sharp sound and you don't necessarily like, like there's a lot of sharp headphones out there, but they're not, um, they're, they're messed up in other ways, like audio technicas and stuff like that. They're, they're very flavor specific. Um, Grados are good if you like sharp sound and you kind of want something more honest i think but you know whatever that means a little a little more energy than relaxing yeah they 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 are, i mean i can relax to these too they're kind of just i it's really hard for me to say anything except that they're perfect like for my taste it's really weird and um maybe that means that i just like colored sound maybe that means that everyone else is deaf i don't know what that means i'm i'm hoping this is the kind of the audiophiles curse, right? Is that you find something that actually you think sounds perfect or close to perfect, you want better. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I can find another model that's even a little bit better. But, you know, if it doesn't, I just have to accept it. It, it is what it is. Um, so I think the next one I'm yeah. going to try is actually um, the 325s again, but not the X version, the old version, because I think maybe they're built different or something. So that's that's my next stop. Yeah, maybe the cable or voice coil is different. Yeah, who knows? You know, whatever it takes to convince yourself that it's worth trying. But yeah, yeah, can't wait to see your results. I I personally really, really like the Grado aluminum cups. I think they're inc like some of the best build quality I think I've ever seen in a headphone. I, you know, I've seen thousand dollar, five thousand dollar headphones, and I think the Grado metal cups are genius yeah personally aesthetically I, I they're very pleasing i like them too 
you know, but I say that as a Greedo fan. So, I mean, it's, take, take it for, for what it is. Well, definitely know, but... Greedo enjoyers. But only the cheap yeah. ones so far. Yeah, I, I, I personally like my cheap one. It just has this, you know, different aesthetic. Like, it's not, it doesn't sound like a, an e stat. I did hear an e stat. This it sounds it sounds different. It doesn't sound like most dynamics. It doesn't sound like most planars. It's necessarily. It's, polite, it's one of those things where it's like uh, if these are right, then everyone else is wrong. But uh, that's what I feel like. I've I've been wrong in many people's eyes before, so I happily embrace being wrong. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite uh, audio purchase? My favorite audio purchase is my next one. Uh, <laughs> no, I haven't made a, a next purchase. I'm waiting to get here. It's just, you know, the new toys are always fun to me, regardless if I truly enjoy them or not. It's exciting. I mean, we know it's going to sound different. You know, that's what's exciting right. about it. But uh, I, I, did, I did make a purchase recently. You know, as everyone knows, I'm, I'm pretty dang cheap. Uh, <laughs> you know... I'm in DACOVs and there's like, I don't know, $60,000 in DAX and, you know, maybe another 10,000 in electronics and, you know, priceless hand-built speakers, whatever. And a huge, just a huge room, like a 40 by 40 room. But for me, I, I like, I like a deal. I think a lot of people like deals. Um, I was recently going to get coffee and I was decided, Oh, you know, I might as well go to this Goodwill. So I'm walking in the Goodwill. I'm like, you know, I hope I find a $2 CD. I found, I found amazing CDs. Mm-hmm. People literally donate them. And, you know, a $2 CD in my book, that's a deal. Because buying on Discogs, you're paying four for shipping. So You're lucky if you only pay four. Jesus. <laughs> in Canada. Yeah. Well, yeah, four plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went in. You know, I was like, all right. I know this Goodwill pretty well. I like the layout. Okay. Cool, cool stuff in the front. Nice. All right. Sh- shirts. Okay, I'm not looking for that. Walking, walking, walking. Glass case. Nothing I need. I'm not. Look- I'm not gonna buy some shoes. There we are. The electronics aisle. Just, just a single wall with electronics. I'm walking past and I go, wait a second. I, I know, I know these these front buttons. I've seen this square configuration before. I'm like. Is is this the era I'm thinking it is? Mm-hmm. I quickly take a picture, send it to Cena, ask, "Is this good?" You simply say, "Yeah," <laughs> and I go, All right. "Hell yeah!" And I said, "Hell yeah, dude." <laughs> that's useless. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see what this is. Look at the back, get the number. Don't recognize it. I'm like, hmm, th- this must be like a different configuration. Like this, not, this must must not be the original design. I, I don't recognize uh, this model numbering scheme. I think it was like two four something one or no it was like two four twenty forty one. It's a Magnavox FD twenty forty one CD player. That's what it was. Typed it in, into a Google eBay search. Try to look for inside shots. I'm like, what? It, what is this? What chips inside? You know, fingers crossed that I've had my fingers crossed for so many months. That's you know, our our viewers or our listeners don't. Don't know how many months it really has been, but <laughs> it's been so many months. I'm like, please, please just be one of these two chips. Please just be one of these two chips. And uh, I got lucky it was. It, it was one of the two chips. Uh, it's actually a uh, Philips uh, TDA 1540, one of the original uh, digital-to-analog converters. There was a few other ones, but this was one of the original proposed for, like, CDs. Um it's a dual mono design, so there's two chips uh, straight off the, you know, optical pickup unit. I had to know which one it was. I looked that up because, you know, there's there's lore and a lot of this old stuff. There's there's questions, there's concerns, and I found out it was a CDM2, and Parker had recently told me those last a long time. So I was like, okay, well, this probably works, and I was ready to blind purchase it. And I wasn't sure what to do. There was no cable included. So I picked it up, walked to the CD section, quickly picked out a CD. It was a uh, classical CD. 
Um, there was there was many other CDs, but it was a classical CD from a label I actually like. It was a uh, Sony Classics. I really enjoyed the Sony Classics. I think they did a great job uh, digitizing them. Uh, so I got one of those, and it was for classical fans. Uh, Salty with a Chicago uh, orchestra performing Mahler 5. It's a great <laughs> CD. So I grabbed it, went back, tried to find an outlet, couldn't find one, went to where I got it, looked for a cable somewhere, put it in, open it up, press play. This, it doesn't say error. The flashing error sign of of the dreads my dreams was not on I look front display it just has a simple one colon zero one I, I i don't know what to do I'm, I'm like is it broken is it not playing is it stuck uh i decide you know it's it's 15 bucks like what do i got to lose Yellow. worst case scenario i rip the chips out and keep them Put them on eBay, possibly. Someone will buy them. Take it home. Some CDs don't work. I'm like, what? What's going on? Well, long story short, uh, CDs sound remarkably di- remarkably different. Not all CDs are printed the same. It. I didn't want to know that. It's like finding out cables sound different. <laughs> it's, it's sad, but it's the honest truth. Um, you, you just... You just have to you just have to live with that truth, and uh, I'm I'm happily living it. I have a huge collection of CDs. Uh, the CD player sounds awesome with classical. I absolutely love it with classical. Initially, I thought it was bad. I had messaged you that it was it sounded bad, like it had this treble glare. I didn't quite understand. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna chop it up to it's that's the sound of a blue spec CD. They they just have a different a different sound and I I don't think I like blue spec CD so I would not recommend the blue spec CD. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what a blue spec CD is, actually when the CD manufacturing process changed and was outdated, the equipment was sold. They later had uh, DVD pressing plants that was sold. They later moved on to Blu-ray. They used Blu-ray pressing plants to print CDs. And they say, wow, these have incredible rise times. These are <laughs> so much better spec. You know, but the truth is I've had issues with blue spec uh, CDs because they have a unique lacquer on them. The The blue coating is does not uh, – It just some CD writers, some CD drives just don't just don't like it. They refuse to read it. It might be some something to do with the reflection of the light because – a CD laser is a different wavelength than a Blu-ray, a Blu-ray uh, drive. So I don't like blue spec CDs. I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to buy a blue spec CD. No matter how good of a deal it is, I'll stick to uh, my gold CDs, which I adore. So that's that's my quick uh, story of my new Magnavox CD player. And uh, I like it. Got it for 15 bucks. Can't wait to put 150 bucks into it. And... Uh, feel like it's infinite value <laughs> what are you gonna do what am i gonna do well this project has been a thing for me for a lot of months a lot of months maybe years i lost count I, i've given up many times uh obviously i'm gonna do a full recap on the power supply possibly uh there's some caps in there that i'm not sure i want to replace like there's i want to say I'm, I'm gonna do air quotes and say a vintage hp cap uh it's it's kind of nice i don't know what would really replace it with um yeah possibly the power supply uh i don't really want to mess with any of the digital side but i have a tech who offered to do it for free because he just wants to experience the cd player because cd players are quite difficult to ship Mm -hmm. in addition to that i've read countless mods for cds you know from external clock sources to removing digital filters to even having uh they call it dynamic um element uh, modules that dynamic element matching uh, modules that uh 
reclock and synchronize uh, both channels to the master clock and uh, the the clock distribution unit. But I don't I don't know how much of that I want to do. At least at least the power supply, though I know it'll last me quite a while. That's awesome, man. The, yeah. We should do like a whole episode on cheap stuff. <laughs> cheap stuff is just better. I I just, I just feel good good about it. It just hits you different. Know, no one... it makes you happy, like genuine happiness, not no, no uh, one... temporary material satisfaction. Oh yeah, I I play it all the time. I play it to my plants. I play my plants classical. I I keep collecting plants from my plant fly setup. Mm. I swear it sounds better with every new plant I add. I recommend everyone to, to buy plants. Uh, I think I think they're just great. Um, you know, part part of it for me is the cheap stuff is I don't I don't really have a sunken cost. Um, I, some people don't either, you know, regardless of the price they pay. But part of it just has to do with an experience. I, I really enjoy this stack. As I said many times, I enjoy a lot of audio equipment, regardless of its price. But to me, the story behind it is so much more impressive than any technicalities any piece of equipment could achieve. Obviously, high technicalities are very impressive, but the story I can share with people that experience my equipment, I think is more priceless because it, it, it really it really sets up the mood for what something is yeah I, you know i saying you know this this designer he's he's a very smart guy he can hear to negative 180 you know db uh, he's a jitter master he knows what he's doing or you know this guy he's so he's so complex he he's deciphered you know the polarity of the earth and he designs his his equipment to match it you know some of it seems like a joke but you know these are these are designers it's a designer for every every belief mm -hmm. uh, i like to think and uh these phillips engineers really really did something quite unique it was really a global extraordinary effort to deliver the cd and i'm very happy to have a first generation uh digital to analog chip yeah yeah. I uh I have one coming too, but uh, it wasn't fifteen dollars. <laughs> Did I talk about it last time? I don't remember. You you talked. I don't think no. I mentioned it. Yeah, I, I, I bought another CD player. Um, it's a Revox. Uh, You've had a lot of CD players. I have a lot of CD players. Yeah, I have a lot of. Oh, well, I had even more, but I just uh, I just sold one actually. I just sold a Philips um, CD nine sixty to a to a friend Ooh. so i'm actually that was beautiful yeah um i restored it um it was dude it was fucked up like <laughs> when i got it it was fucked up i don't know what what this poor player had gone through but the guy was like using it for years like without the lid on and it was just full of dust um there was some burnt resistors the power button was he not original it, he thought it sounded better sorry he thought it sounded better without the lid. Well, it probably did, but I mean, the the power button was not original, and um, it had a it had a fracture in it. So I knew that if I left it in there, it would just fail over time, and I didn't want to sell to the guy like that. So I actually had my buddy who works at a machine shop make a brand new power button out of, out of Dalrin plastic, um, and it looks original. Like you can't tell it's it was like replaced. Life. Beautiful. Um, recapped. The, uh, the power supply caps, obviously, some nice Nichicons. Actually, no, not Nichicons. We put um, Elnas, vintage Elnas um, from the 90s, which were, um, you know, used in Morant CD players at that time. So a nice, nice match. So, yeah, I had that. It sounded pretty good. We didn't actually mod it to, uh, you know, replace the op amps or anything to make it sound better. But um, I think he's going to do that himself. He wants to mod it. So... That's cool. But what I'm getting is um, a Revox um, B225. I've always wanted a Revox CD player. They just look so cool. They look really cool. Um, they look nice. They look nice. The centered uh, disc tray. Centered disc tray. Uh, just the, the Revox aesthetic, the checkerboard you know, pattern with the buttons. I mean, Philips players looks, look cool too, but I think the Revox are a little bit more impressive. 
there might be a step above. Definitely a step I, above. I think I would place that. Um, is Sony and a Revox a little bit higher aesthetically than a than a Philips? Yeah, and I just I never felt like buying one because I knew that if I just bought a random one off eBay it was going to have problems. Um, and I, <laughs> that didn't stop me from buying a lot of other CD players that have problems. But these Revoxes go for a lot of money. Like even in unrestored condition, they can go for I don't know thousand twelve hundred dollars. They're not cheap. Um, they didn't make that many of them compared to the Philips. Um, but at, we, I found a guy, not found a guy. I've actually known for him for uh, known of him of quite some time. A guy in Germany, who, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, TDA enjoyers out there. People who study at the Church of Phillips. This guy is one of those. He uh, he's looked deeply into the the chips and how they work, and tried to improve them. Um, and so what he does is he offers restored uh, first and second generation Philips CD players or Philips based CD players, I should say, um, that are just slightly modified. Um, so I don't know, we can put, maybe put his website in the, in the description because it's kind of difficult to dis- describe what exactly he believes in and how he does it. It would take like 30 minutes. Um, it's probably better not to get into it, but yeah, I, I have one of those coming. Um, so that might be like a, Endgame CD player thing. I probably won't enjoy it as much as you enjoy your fifteen dollar one, but you know, I look forward to it anyway. You'll get close. You, you, I think you'll get close. Yeah, I mean, as a similar, similar DAC in there. Oh, and what's really cool? He offers a USB input, so he actually designed his own USB input model for these like nineteen eighty CD players, so you can use them as DACs, which is always convenient to not be chained to a CDs. Yeah, he, he really has come up with a, a lot of interesting modifications. You know, when I was first looking at CD players and CD mods, you know, people would always tell me, oh, no, I, you got you to gotta get this other thing. You got to get the thing I'm getting. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, I could. I could get it, but then I would be disappointed in them if I, if I disliked it. That, that's one of the struggles of recommending anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know. That was part. That was part of my journey in discovering the the fifteen forty, uh, and I found out he did it. I, I sent him emails. I'm like, you know, I, I was I was, I'm a novice. I mean, I I believe I still am, but now now I know more. But I remember <laughs> foolishly emailing him and asking, "What does it do?" <laughs> and he, and he, he pretty much replied to me in a, in a manner that I felt like I sh- I should really think about what I'm asking because. It, it's not just like what does it do it's it, it's like what why should i value the work he's done and he's he's done a lot of work he's written a lot about them and just like many of the the phillips fans they're very big fans and they've they found what they like and they and they do it and they think that's the way so i definitely definitely respect him and if i was to purchase uh modifications it would oh it will be and it always has been my idea to go through him yeah. Um, and one of my friends asked, you know, what should I do with my CD player? And I just simply linked him to the website to get all the list of parts directly from him. He was in Europe, so it was, it was a very easy transaction. He was very happy about it. His website is, um, well, there's a German and an English one, um, but his, his company, I think, is called Metronome without the E at the end. So Metronom, I guess. Um, that's kind of what he calls his, his not only his company but also the modification that he offers for these uh, units, um, and it, it's all to do with like timing, which is very important to digital audio. So really fascinating stuff. You guys should check out his website. Um, and what I like about him is that he he obviously has a deep respect for uh, the engineers who who came up with these machines to begin with. He doesn't just think that you can you know do some amateur. Uh, part swaps and get better performance no it's not like that yeah he doesn't tell you to rip half of the cd player apart yeah it's it's very simple uh almost anyone can do it but i, I like i like what he's done what he does his website and uh for me that was one of the rabbit holes i had gone through a lot of rabbit holes out there 
Yeah, but I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm closing in on uh, getting out of this one. Yeah. What What about any other CD players you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah. I guess I can give an update on the uh, the Sparkler CD player that I uh, I think I was either last episode or two episodes ago. It's hard to keep track. Jeez. Um, I said I ordered, or maybe I got it already. I don't remember. But yeah, I've had it now for a couple weeks. Um, it needed a really long um break in time like it, it sounded really bad out of the box it was very boring very bland and then after a few days of playing it changed to being like super sharp and super lean so basically unlistenable and then after a few more days it was like okay I've, i guess this is it um you know if i had to describe it as an ice cream flavor it would be vanilla with no sprinkles and you also don't get a cone you just get the vanilla ice cream. <laughs> That's it. It's just very, um, it's very plain sounding, not necessarily in a bad way, but I had the, like I said, I had the Philips 960 here cause I, I restored it and then was, you know, preparing to pack it to ship it to my friend. Um, and I kind of just did a back and forth. The sparkler is cleaner. Yes. Um, it, you know, it has an external power supply. It's a lot simpler inside. The Philips has a lot of, um, I wouldn't call them unnecessary details, but it's kind of overbuilt um, when you look inside of it. And that kind of leads itself to a certain sound. Um, but the one thing the Philips definitely had that the sparkler does not is um, because the Philips has this really nice all metal cast uh, metal uh, mechanism. It just has a really solid sound, really solid bass and solid um, foundation to the sound. And that's why a lot of people like those old Philips players. I'm sure yours probably has that to some degree as well, uh, even though it's not cast metal, yours, but it, it's still nice. Um, the sparkler doesn't have that. The sparkler's mechanism is like the mechanism you would find in like uh, a boombox that plays CDs. Um, it's like it's plastic. Uh, the disc does just is not. Um, it is clamped, but it like it floats on this little spindle. Um, quite popular solution in the DIY community to kind of do transports based off that cheap mechanism. Cause that's really all you can get these days anyway. Um, unless you want to pay a lot of money for like, uh, the stream unlimited one. Um, there's just not many people making CD transports anymore, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if I like it yet. It's too early to say you got to do some more comparisons, but uh, it looks cool. Yeah, I, I quite like uh, how it looks. That one has a little bit of lore too. Uh, I, f I forget what it's what it's called, like Shigaraki. In the DOI space, a Shigaraki. Shiga Shiga clone. A Shiga clone. Yeah, yeah, Shiga clone. We'll talk about a little bit. What like what is a Shiga clone? Sure. So the guy who founded Sparkler, Mister um, Sukahara. He used to work for 47 Labs in Japan, who are like, a, I think, I guess they're still around. They're like an esoteric audio manufacturer. Um, everything they do is kind of centered around the concept of less is more and minimalism and stuff like that. And so they introduced the CD transport. I don't know when, late 90s or early 2000s, I want to say, um, that used this mechanism from like this, this JVC boombox. Like that's literally where they got it from. It's a Sanyo made mechanism from a JVC boombox. They would buy the boombox or order it directly from Sanyo, I guess, because they're in Japan. And uh, it was a really expensive transport. I don't know how much it cost, but it was not cheap. Uh, all the 47 lab stuff is not cheap. It's like several US, thousand US dollars. Um, and some guys on DIY Audio basically realized where you could get that mechanism and just clone it for like $100. And so that spawned like this whole... Um, market of what are basically called Shiga clones because that was the original name of the transport was the 47 Labs Shigaraki. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, they they started like this whole trend of basically getting this mechanism and building your own. Um, and people would just buy like a piece of plywood and mount everything to that. So it didn't even look like a CD player. It was just like some mad scientist project, but they do, they, they do work and they, um, I'm sure they sound good. 
But uh, yeah, basically after the Mr. Sukuhara left 47 Labs and founded his own company, he's basically making like the same product. Um, I'm sure that he's he has his own spin on it versus what 47 Labs was doing, but it's very similar. Yeah, I mean, he helped to design it, so I'm sure he knows how to build. I don't, th- I don't think he he helped design it. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case. I think when he was there, he was primarily in charge of their Midnight series, which I could be totally wrong about this if I'm not remembering correctly. I think it was supposed to be like similar products, but just at a cheaper price point. So I think it was his job to kind of be able to cut corners without compromising quality. I think that's what he was doing. Um, but I don't think he he designed the original one. I could be I could be mistaken. Difficult to find information about this stuff in English. Yep, totally totally understand. I mean, you you wouldn't want to reveal too many trade secrets. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we had another question, right? Yeah. Here here we are at the end. Uh, Usually we have an album recommendation, but this time, again, thanks to Troy, we have a musical question. Troy asks, how has your musical taste changed over time? How? How has it changed over time? Yeah, how? um, I like to think of it as since being in audio, the music you listen to before the audio hobby, do you still listen to that music? Um, I guess I really only got into music in the eighth grade i used to think that uh what was i listening to in the eighth grade the same stuff that i listen to now (laughs) so the answer is no my taste hasn't changed when i was in the eighth grade i i heard a a canadian band called uh, metric um that just blew my mind i don't know how old i was maybe 13 or something um yeah that blew my mind i never heard anything like that before even though uh, by by what I know now, I know that it's kind of typical indie rock, so there's nothing really that special about it. But I love Metric, and they're also from Toronto, which is where I live, so there's a hometown advantage. Um, so yeah, in eighth grade, I listened to Metric. I listened to um, Ladytron. They had just released a new album. Um, I still listen to Ladytron. I still love them. I own all their CDs. Um, I listen to the Yeah Yeah Yeahs bands of that nature, and uh, now uh, what? um 14 years later or something uh still listening to the exact same artists so my my music taste hasn't really changed it has evolved um you know since getting into audio and getting into record collecting and stuff like that i own hundreds uh, if not thousands of uh well probably probably 2000 records um most of which is actually classical and jazz because i don't really believe in collecting pop music on vinyl um but uh, i'll be honest with you I don't listen to it that often. I just, um, I like the indie stuff. There's only so much time in the week to listen to music, sit down and listen. Um, and when I do, I like to listen to rock music, indie rock. Um, tons and tons of new rock coming out like every single week. It's impossible to keep up with it all, but it's fun. So my taste re- really hasn't changed at all. I wanted to ask a, a follow-up. You know, since being in the hobby, has there been pieces of equipment that have helped you realize or be able to more deeply appreciate certain genres of music? Uh, Or in addition to that, is there pieces of equipment that you feel are almost single genre specialists? Yeah, I mean... Tom, what what time are we at? We're at 52 minutes. I could talk about this for an hour. So I'll just try to condense my answer. Yeah, it's a very important question. I'll try to condense my answer. Basically, I believe there's two categories of equipment. There's equipment that... um, uh, Okay, before I say that, I should say this. All music, you know, regardless of whether it's like uh, a golden era, 1950s Frank Sinatra recording... Um, with a vacuum tube and cut from analog and done at Columbia Studios and all that, or if it's you know a 90s Pro Tool auto-tune share song, it doesn't matter. All, all music and all recordings have their own kind of aesthetic. Um, and you can kind of, if you're not familiar with this concept, you can kind of think of it as like when a song comes on the radio, if it's a song that you've heard before, maybe you even haven't heard before, 
um, before the singer even starts singing or you have time for your conscious brain to recognize what that song is or who it's by, you already feel some sort of like emotion or some sort of reaction that might be nostalgia, it might be happiness, it might be sentiment. Um, and that comes from your subconscious's subconsciousness's interaction with whatever that recording aesthetic is. So for instance, if I'm driving and a Paramore song comes on, you know, before I even recognize that that's Paramore, I get very happy because I think of when, you know, I was in high school and I was listening to Paramore and it makes me very happy. So that kind of, that kind of has to do with um, musical aesthetic, that concept summarized very quickly. Um, so I think there's two categories of equipment. There's equipment that retains musical aesthetic. It has a flavor of its own. Definitely. There's no such thing as transparent or hundred percent neutral, but it retains musical aesthetic and lets it come through. And then there's equipment that overwrites it and does not allow the aesthetic to come through. And it kind of says like, you have to listen to things my way. Uh, and I hate, hate gear of the second category. So when I say something is the worst I've ever heard, usually people think I'm being like hyperbolic because uh, I want to be inflammatory or something. That's not the case. It's just that I think that this is gear that doesn't let you enjoy music because it imposes itself on what you're listening to too heavily. So that that's my answer. I don't want to name specific names, but you know, there's there's a lot out there. I would say most of it, at least most hi-fi gear, is in the latter category, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What's your take on it? Uh, on that question specifically, uh, excluding the the music, which I'll get back to, I, f- I feel designers uh, optimize well, at least well, not all designers. Some designers, or maybe a majority of them, optimize their equipment for their musical preference. Absolutely. And I and I think when when you're trying to decide, you know, what what should I get this? You know, what what is what does this sound like? You know, and you're looking for opinions. Or you know a review, which I don't I don't put much value in a review. That you know that for me, uh, my my opinion on reviews shortly is it it's almost uh, gymnastics. You know I I think <laughs> yeah. I quite enjoy reviews. It, yeah, I mean it, there's a lot of show. You know maybe synchronized swimming might be a little bit better, but um, <laughs> I like I like to think I like I like to think of reviews. Um, as almost very very low information uh if if i do want information on a piece of equipment i tend to look at what music someone uh listens Mm -hmm. to uh me personal me personally in my reviews the few that i do i I will describe music i liked on a piece of equipment you know to to try to help someone I, i i like to you know describe how how great something sounds with a specific piece of equi- like a, of music because to me you know it's supposed to play music you know you can you can do all these a b x you know tests and you know i can put them all in a spreadsheet and then you do calculations if it's actually better yeah but it could be technically better but is it musically better does it better fit my musical preference and sometimes sometimes it doesn't um, that's just that's just my opinion but i think i think there's Right now, a lot of gear that's coming out that's pretty good. But I think as you go higher up in uh, high-end audio, I think it's actually worse yeah. in, many, in many regards because of the musical preference or the targeted audience or consumer's musical preference that they perceive it, it would have. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with but you completely. To go into, yeah. yeah, thank you. I could. Uh, it's a very interesting subject. I could talk like for hours and hours about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to. Maybe it will be a topic for another day because some some of it gets me really frustrated because some people just don't think about does the engineer like the music I like. Yeah. You know, similar to in like a studio engineer, does the engineer like the music I like? Is this engineer? right is this mixing person you know right for this what are their previous works you know what sounds great that they've done yeah just like a piece of equipment you can listen you can listen to a mastering engineer and you can get a sense of what what they are like their tone and they're also their aesthetic and what really excels in many regards just like 
you know, a DAC or an amp, uh, the designer, engineers, the master, they, they really help shape the music. And if that's the music you like, I think it's a good choice. It's kind of, uh, but to, yeah, it's funny that you bring up mastering engineers because, you know, I'm opinionated on this topic as well. But um, just yeah. really quickly before we get off the subject, I want to uh, laugh for a second at the recent mobile fidelity controversy. Um, mm-hmm. We won't talk about it because there's, there's not much to really talk about. Well, there is, but it's not that interesting to me. I don't care. I don't, we don't buy new vinyl. I'm not, I'm not interested. Yeah. But what I think is funny about it is like these people are losing their minds that uh, it's cut from DSD or it's, you know, it was a quantization process or whatever. Now it's ruined. It doesn't sound good anymore. I'm I'm just kidding. Most people are actually upset because of the advertising practices, which is justified. But um, yeah, mobile fidelity is a label that I would actually associate with uh, overwriting the recording aesthetic. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard um, the mobile fidelity reissue of uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. Yeah, worst thing I've ever heard. Like, any anything that makes grunge music and what Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl and all them were trying to do worth listening to, completely gone with uh, the mobile fidelity version. It's basically trying to make a, a rock album um, audio show friendly. And uh, for fans of Diana Krall, yeah, I hate it. Um, so that's that's like an example of uh, sometimes gear does that sometimes remasters do that Um, it all has to do with people kind of imposing their own will or aesthetic preference over what the musicians were trying to trying to do themselves yeah personally um, that's why I I feel satisfied with the equipment I do have the equipment I hear Um, and that that's that's a problem I have sometimes reviewing stuff I'm not familiar with, with music I'm not familiar with. It's possible. But also the, mu- the music I'm not familiar with also helps me um, triangulate what I think I like. Not just, all right, here's my uh, procedurally generated test. <laughs> I've convinced myself, well, give me my absolute answer if this is, this is what I need. Um, well, I had to give an example of a new mastering that I actually like. I actually liked the new mastering of Metallica's Black Album by Rob Ludwig. Um, I had a Rob Ludwig uh, master of, I forget which Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin album, but Probably I thought two. it was it was great. Yeah, I, I believe it was too. Sadly, it's only a single-sided Rob Ludwig cut, but it was uh, printed in Germany. So it, it's it's super clean. It's nice. It's punchy. You know, it, it's not compressed, but it it just feels so it just feels so loud, like vivid. Yeah. And this new this new Metallica master by him, I believe. You know, it has it has a lot of this a similar aesthetic. I think I think that's kind of his signature. That's kind of why he's so famous mm-hmm. because he makes music, you know, feel feel vibrant, but not not in a way that you feel it's oversaturated or you feel you know, colors are blending into each other, but colors in this case would be uh, instruments. Um, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds airy, separated. It doesn't sound uh, gross. It doesn't sound low budget. Um, I, I haven't really compared it to the original. I remember listening to the original a lot, but just recently when this one was released, I was very excited about it. I've listened to it, and um, I, I do, I do have copies of it. I haven't listened to the DSD version. I think there's a DSD version. Not that I'm too interested in that, but you know, Rob Ludwig. I think, I think he's a great mastering engineer. Um, you know, that brings me to the music. As my music preference changed, um, I think in the short term it did, in the long term it didn't. Because for me, um, I really like the music I like. I, I always have. Uh, I wasn't really the person to play the same song uh, 20 times. Um, but I did I did like, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know a lot of people don't like them. Um, I, I, think, I think because, especially, you know, the early stuff um, with that f- uh, famous producer. I forget his name. From... Def Jam Records, it, I feel so bad. He's he's actually like a super mega giant. But uh, yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers, I, I just love the aesthetic. Uh, they have a great aesthetic. As I got more into hi-fi, I, 
I, I was I was I heard things I've never heard before, you know, but that was it, it wasn't that it was noisy or any of that. It just that's that's the texture. That's so you can feel where the music was created and the music was created in in a house and there's a whole documentary about the creation of the album. You know, to me, if I can't listen to that and I can't enjoy that, I probably wouldn't like the piece of gear. Um, but in the short term, my musical preference did change, but it didn't change because I didn't like my old music. I was just so excited to listen to new music mm -hmm. or explore music that I wasn't familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe genres I didn't quite uh, as much appreciate when I was younger as my, uh, my scope or, or the reach of my preferences was very narrow and limited to the radio. You know, I didn't, I didn't have many records or CDs. Luckily I still have most of my CDs that I had when, when I was young, when I was eight, when I was 10, 13 growing up, you know, I remember the first CD I bought was probably, uh, that pop hit, um, I'm blue, you know, and later on Ray Hot Chili Peppers, my second CD, I was listening to that. My third CD was probably uh, White Stripes. Let's see, uh, there's just there's just so many, you know, Blink One Eighty Two. <laughs> you know, just growing up, it, it was it was really like, you know, it helped me understand more of who I was, and it definitely fueled my teenage years. But as I as I've grown older, I I still like that music for its nostalgia. It's it's a type of nostalgia that doesn't um, really go away. But if I had an opportunity to listen to music, I don't always I don't always choose uh, nostalgic music. I, I do like exploring still, and I have uh, grown musically, taste wise. Uh, I like to say my palate's still bad, <laughs> but at least I'll, at least I'll try the food. Um, big fan of jazz, huge fan. Most most modern jazz, uh, big band. I'm not really I'm not really into big bands. It, it's it's it can be good. And I can I can go on about that for quite a while, and I'm sure only three people would be listening at that point. But it's it's not for me. Nor is vocal jazz. Um, classical music is very tough on some equipment for me to enjoy. It was until I heard uh, the Rock Nut Wave Dream that I was able to appreciate classical for its scale and its depth. Um, and his dynamics, of course, which which I totally understand why now people people like uh, classical or so picky on it because mm -hmm. it, it can it can't go wrong. Yeah, um, especially especially comparing it to live, which most of the time it is live. Uh, it could just sound very wrong, and so a huge respect to those people that that really like classical and have found equipment that really matches their taste. But overall, no, I've only added more music that I like, not liked less music. Right. It's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Do we have music recs for this week? Yeah, why not? I got one. Okay, go ahead. Hey. All right. So my musical rec for this week is an album that the iTunes algorithm played for me, and I decided it was so good. The skill was so big, and the drama was just right for me. So it's called uh, The Great Fote Group, and the album's called Dark is the Sun, and the song is called Harpsichord Waltz. Man, that's, that's a great track. You know, of course, harpsichord, uh, but it's jazzy. You know me. I love saying jazzy is jazzy. Um, old music can be jazzy. I, I for me, jazzy just kind of implies that there is a emotional connection, like an aesthetic. You know, it. I I, I feel the music more so than not, um, and I just I just think it sounds great. Cool. Um, my recommendation. For this week, it's actually a hard pick. I'm kind of split on what I want to talk about because uh, I was just at a concert. I have another concert tomorrow, but uh, I'll save those actually. I think what I'm going to recommend um, is an artist called Lady Lamb, um, and the album is called After. Uh, it's from 2015. Um, this is the best album I've heard 
this month for sure, but I almost want to say this year. It's so good. Um, she's a she's a singer songwriter, I guess, but uh, kind of a little bit heavier on this album. Um, has a band backing her. It's indie rock. She plays a jazz master. She's got a guy on bass and a guy on drums. Um, uh, I was I kind of just listened to some of her. I do this thing where I listen to some songs by some specific artist, like it comes on Tidal Radio or whatever, and I really like it. But I don't know why I just hesitate to go into their other albums and see, like, okay, what's good here? Um, maybe I'm afraid that it will suck or something, and then I'll, I'll fall out of love with them. But um, this album, really good. That's all I have to say. After by Lady Lamb. I like to say. I want to say I'm the opposite. You know, yeah. when I, when I have the radio and I love a song, I just I just stop. Yeah. I'm like, oh nope, algorithm, thank <laughs> you. This is it. Gonna play the whole album now, and then from there I'll completely explore their discography, um, either progressively forward or uh, regressively. Retroactively, you know. It, yeah, retroactively. I, it's it's a toss up. It usually just depends on what's popular, but. I like a song, I'll hear the whole album. And uh, I haven't had a chance to hear this whole album by uh, the the Greg uh, Foe group, but I, I will. I will. Cool, man. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, uh, this is the Good Sound Club podcast. For any questions, comments, or concerns. I don't want your concerns. <laughs> yeah, you keep your concerns. concerns. Yeah. No concerns? All right. Well, you, you can still send it anyways to uh, questions. At goodsound.club. Goodsound.club. Thank you. Thank you.